Fixed odds betting powered by BetMakers is back and in effect at Monmouth Park. The early returns are fantastic, with 70% of winners paying more on the fixed odds market than they are on the tote. Soon, fixed odds wagering will be available throughout the state. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. Frustrated with those late odds drops? Not if you're playing in the fixed odds market. You'll be continuing to hear a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities from our friend Dallas Baker over at BetMakers here across the In The Money Media Network. Make plans to get to Jersey to bet in the fixed odds market with BetMakers. Welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast special episode edition. This is for the Monmouth Haskell Preview Day, which will take place on Saturday afternoon. And I have a quad box. This is like being Scott Hansen on NFL Red Zone Channel. I have a quad box of experts to talk about Monmouth. Of course, I should probably exclude myself in in, in saying that uh, to cover this particular card, including some of the looks at the fixed odds. So clockwise from me, you have Brian Skirka from Monmouth Park. Brian, how are you? I'm great, Nick. How are you? It's I'm doing well. It's good to have you on. Samantha, also from Monmouth Park. Samantha, I will admit that when the pick five carryover took place a couple of weeks ago, I listened to you go through the entire card by yourself, which people out there probably don't realize how difficult that is. I thought you did a very fine job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Even if you missed the 40 to one shot in the first leg. Just like yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like a lot of people did. <laughs> it happens, of course. And last but not least, down in the corner, our dear friend Dallas Baker from Betmakers. Dallas, how are you? Good day, I should say. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Uh, Sam, Brian, hello. Look forward to seeing you a little later on as we record this on Friday morning. But Nick, I, I think uh, you, Sam might have missed it last week, but a couple of weeks ago, there was a few rumors going around the course that somebody might have hit back-to-back ones a weekend or two ago too, Nick. So, <laughs> so uh, mate, might not have got the chocolates last week, but... Uh, couple of weeks back there was a happy fight around Sam. <laughs> That's right. Always a good thing. Let's start uh, get started on this Saturday card. It is a marathon card. 14 races on tap going to get started as usual at 12:15 Eastern time and we're going to talk about the five races that comprise the win early pick 5. I'm a big fan of the marketing of this as the earliest pick 5 offered in America, which is the truth. It starts at 6 furlongs on the main track with a 3 life claimer. 30 down to 25. Sam, you're probably the best handicapper for Mammoth in the bunch. Let's start with you. Okay. Well, I'm a little bit biased here because in the early double, we've got two Colts neck horses. Uh, Dallas already knows I'm a bit biased on this. Um, so uh, I get on Maru, the number two. Uh, I've been getting on him um, since about early May. And uh, this is a horse that he hasn't really come back to form just yet. But I think this third off the bench is his time. He's training way better coming into this race than he did the May 28th race. There's a lot of speed in this race. And I think that he's got the ability to just kind of sit off of it. He picks up Manny Franco here. Uh, when you get these uh, big time riders like coming in uh, to ride these days you have to utilize them um not knocking Jairo Rendon he's done an incredible job this meet so far but you have to use guys like this when they come and seize the opportunity I think Maru's going to be very tough here what did you think of uh, of the five mystery most second off the layoff for Gerald Bennett this was a horse that I know uh in terms of of the morning line and the odds was a horse that I thought was a little interesting um, where did you land on him? 
Yeah, I've got him included for second or third. Uh, I thought he needed more ground last time, and he does get it here, that extra added half furlong. And Jose Ferrer will be aggressive with him, which I think might hurt him just a little bit as far as uh, this race goes. But he's going to be a part of it for sure. So you'd feel confident enough to probably use Maru as a maybe a standalone horse or one of a couple of main horses in the pick five? Yeah, I might be singling in the first leg. We will not call you biased, I promise. You prefaced your statement with that, so we will not hold it against you. Dallas, okay. how are we looking fixed odds-wise here in the opener? Well, they're the, they're the two, Nick, to be truthful. Um, Maru, 5 uh, five to 2 or $3.50 in the decimal language. Equal favourites with Mystery Mo, also $5, 5 to 2 or $3.50 in decimal. And the next pick is number one, Bourbon Rebellion at $4.40 or essentially 7 to 2. But, yeah, that's uh, exactly how uh, Sam described it, is how we factored it in. Um, Probably leaning to Maru, maybe starting favourite of it, especially with that push that Sam's just given it with the uh, natural improvement third up um, from a bit of a break. So, But, yeah, at, at the moment, it's a case of letting the punters to sort out who the favourite is with Maru and Mystery Mo on the uh, top line at the moment. One of the things I think that makes Monmouth betting interesting is that you have tons of overlays created by overbet Paco Lopez horses and violent paths looks like exactly that. This is a horse who's going to get bet to me um, coming in off a two life claimer at Oakland against a, a much lesser variety. Brian, what is the public's uh, fascination with Paco other than him winning at about 40%? I was going to say the fact that he wins all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. That, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, I mean, he he, you know, he, he gets a bad rap sometimes, and some of it justifiably so. But you know, he one thing about him, he will be in position to win. Give the the horse, you know, he'll put the horse in the best position to win. If the horse isn't good enough, you know, he's not going to win every race, obviously. But mm -hmm. he will be in the right spot to win uh, most of the races, and it's just a matter of the animal underneath him. But he could ride my horse anytime, and he uh, he's super aggressive and. And actually, in this race, race number one, I'm going to go with the horse actually that we, we haven't spoke of yet, and that's the horse on the outside, Bronco Maria. Um, I, I agree with Sam. I think there's a decent amount of speed in this race, and it might set up for a closer. And this horse has some past races that I think are good enough to win. And I, I just, from a from a karma standpoint, I, I don't know what could be better than Joe Bravo winning his first race back here at Mama. I was just going to say, talking of, of jockeys that have been to the winter circle a lot at Monmouth Park, nobody more so than Jersey Joe Bravo, who is in to ride this card. Great to see him back, of course. And I guess maybe with California taking a little bit of a, of a respite now, you'll see more of him in Jersey. Yeah, I think he's going to be here. I'm not sure what the exact time period, but between now and Del Mar, I think he said he's going to go back and ride Del Mar. But that'll put him here uh, at his home track uh, for probably about a month, I would say. That'll certainly be a lot of fun. Glad to see him back. Let's go on to race number two, which is at five and a half furlongs on the main track. This is a two other than optional claimer. I thought this race was a little short on early speed, Sam, and I wondered if that might end up helping in a way. Um, Spun in one, who I'm sure you were planning to talk about anyway, but it should really help the two feast, who looks like the uh, more most likely the pace setter on paper. Yeah, especially with Jose Ferrer. I mean, th that's just his style is 
sending everything, uh, especially as of late. And that's just been his style. Uh, he is coming off of a win in which he did win aboard him. Uh, the number four Stratofortress will be tough to beat. Uh, this is a horse that has been no worse than second his last five outs and just so gutsy. Of course, gets Paco Lopez, but Sweat and One, again, this is a horse that I'm leaning towards here. Uh, taking a drop in class, they gelded him, uh, which has been in the plan for a long time. He's a very heavy built horse. He still is very heavy, but I think he's got his mind a bit more right this time around. Seems to make sense. Dallas, how short on Stratofortress fixed odds-wise? Actually, just second pick. We've uh, we've put up Spun and One favorite at uh, $2.60, or that is 8 to 5 in the fractional language. Um, but obviously expecting a bit of a battle for favoritism with Stratofortress is $2.90 or a tick under 2 to 1. Uh, and Feast, uh, the horse you, either, you also mentioned, uh, it's next in line at $3.70 or somewhere between 5 to 2 and 3 to 1. I think it's interesting to, and of course, we don't want you giving away all the trade secrets, but where, are you seeing a lot of action on horses that are shorter prices or mid-range? Where exactly is a lot of it landing? Obviously, this is completely new to American betters, yeah. and I think that you know it'll evolve over time. One of the interesting things is that you probably, the horses that we're taking or standing for the most money are generally the obvious ones. It's the ones that are paying a lot more, we've got up a lot longer prices than there are on the tote. So that's what you're normally seeing the money come through. So people people are doing this shopping. Um, I think that needs to be a little bit more mature because obviously, as we know, that's shopping against the tote at the time, not shopping against the tote at where it's going to finish. And I think what we're also seeing is that uh, the tote is usually, I would say, in probably about 85% of the cases, getting close to what the fixed odds market is, which, as we know, is a real market. So, But that's what we're, we're generally seeing... Um, generally seeing the uh, money come for um for the horses that are um that are the, the higher prices on fixed odds um and i know pete fornatale messaged me after uh paco lopez when he ran his uh, rode his five winners in the first five races what was that two weeks ago and he said oh you must have absolutely stripped out it was one of our best days <laughs> it was, it was some, it's funny we don't we, we're generally cheering for paco in races too which is which i'm i'm quite surprised about but as you said it's only in its infancy and it's only at Monmouth at the moment, which is a very, very small section of what the marketplace is going to be. But that's that's the general trend at the moment. Whatever's overs on fixed odds or a better price on fixed odds is naturally the horses that we're holding more money on. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I, it's it really is tremendously interesting to me and how it continues to evolve, I think, is going to be one of the bigger stories in racing. And I love that Monmouth is often innovative when it comes to these kind of things and cutting edge as far as fixed odds goes. Thankful for the state of New Jersey. Brian, did we leave anybody out in race two? I don't think so. Uh, it's too slow for me. Um, this might be the part of the show where Sam never does a podcast with me ever again because I don't like either of the Colts and the horses at short prices in these races. But like like the like she was saying, Ferrer in these races, especially in this race is five and a half. It's not even six. So he just sends them right to the front, and it's it's hard to, especially in a race where he he may be lone speed uh, with a horse with some back class. It's tough to catch him when he breaks on top. And only five and a half feet here. So just two four from the industry. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask you guys a little later to talk a little bit about the track profile at Monmouth because I do think that there's a, a general misunderstanding that Monmouth is some paved highway that's that's so great for speed when I think it's actually, and according to a lot of the people that, that I know that follow it 
regularly and take trip notes on it. It's one of the fairer tracks in the country. So I think yeah. that's a, but I, I will, I promise I will ask you a question without offering up a soliloquy first, uh, going on to race number three, which is a conditioned claimer at six furlongs, 8,000 down to seven. This felt like a race to me that could be run at a relatively strong early pace. Sam, did you see it similarly? I did. Yeah, there's a lot of speed in here quickly. And uh, the number four town classic, I think, is going to get over a bet. And I am not a fan of the horses coming from Gulfstream Park to Monmouth Park. They haven't really shown much. Uh, and so automatically it's a toss for me, the number four, which I think will be the favorite, if not very close to it. Yeah, I like it. Taking a stand against a horse new to the barn of Kathleen O'Connell, of course, with Paco Lopez on board. This is one uh, I imagine you installed at a relatively short price, Dallas. Yeah, we've got it at uh, $2.80, which is uh, 9 to 5 in the fractional odds. Again, I mean, it's hard not to hard not to price it favourite. But, uh, you know, but these these are the type of horses uh, as book bookmakers generally like to take on. You know, you've got a favourite. It has, you know, it, it's hard to argue that it, it, you market favourite. But there's also holes in it. So from a from a bookmaking point of view, they're, they're, that's their races you really like because you can, um, yeah, you can hold some good bets on it, hold your nerve, and hopefully um, watch it run third. <laughs> exactly. So if we're beating Town Classic, Sam, who are we beating him with? I like the rail love nest, Jerry Hollendorfer. He's winning at a 24% clip here right now. I had a very nice drill on May 22nd. Now that was before his last race in which he did when Alvin Jimenez uh, gets the ride here now from CJ Hernandez. And uh, I think this is horse. Yeah, he's taking a little bit of a, a step up per se, but from the rail, I think it's going to be pretty tough here. Yeah, I, I thought similarly. I thought this was the right fit class-wise, too. Going from the open five into the conditioned event, not necessarily a jump in class. The public always perceives claiming price moves as jumps or drops and doesn't really look at the conditions, which I think is essential to understand when you're really digging in and handicapping. Uh, Brian, did you think one of these speeds could maybe hang around, or is this a race that will likely go to one of the off-the-pace types? I, I didn't. I'm getting back to Sam's good graces here. I, I like the same horse, the one, Love Nest. Uh, I think the trip is going to be good. And, and the two of the, probably the two of the top three favorites are just horses that categorically, I, I hate betting on these type of horses. The three, you know, five wins from 56 starts with 12 seconds. And the four is even worse. Seven wins from 62 starts and 24 seconds. So I'm with Dallas on these. I'll, you know, these are, they're going to win every once in a while and you're going to lose, but I'll, I'll book these horses every time. With you know, These horses just want to run second and third. I thought the only other horse that I was somewhat interested in was the big S on the outside, maybe to sit a little, just a little off the pace. Won two in a row. That was, you know, a long time ago. It has been off since early August of last year, but if he can come back running the same way he left last year, I thought that was an interesting second horse. But Love Nets, uh, I like quite a bit of him. Should be a fair price on the outside. That's seven, the big S. Let's go to a skullbuster exactly of a race. Nick, if, if you like, it's 10 to 1. So uh, 10 to 1, go. $11. So it is a good price. And Love Nest is second pick at 3 to 1 or $4. Sorry to cut in, mate. Brian allowed to move over to the fixed odds section and have a punt, Dallas? Yeah, you can, mate. You're allowed. <laughs> I'm allowed. Brian's not allowed. I'm coming yeah. up. I'm telling you, I'm taking on this fixed odds market. Yeah, lovely. Cool. No, everyone's welcome. <laughs> Apart from those who hold a key license. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not me. Um, so on to race number four, the penultimate leg of this win early pick five. This is as difficult a race, I think, as they come. Uh, odds wise, this was one that is extremely wide open on paper. Sam, give us some insight. 
Oh gosh, I wish I had some. These maiden $16,000 horses are so tough to bet, especially on the turf, because a lot of them try the turf for the first time. They're taking a shot with them. Luckily for us, a lot of these horses have already tried the turf, but completely wide open on the betting board. You know, if you're playing for for a jockey perspective, uh, watching Hiro Rinnan on the turf has is he's incredible. I think he's probably one of our best turf riders we've got right now here at Monmouth Park. Coming from the Kathleen Namasi bar. Now, my only thing with this horse is why are you putting the blinkers on a five-year-old? I, that's the only thing that I don't quite understand. And coming off of a, a little bit of a layoff here. Now from the outside, this magic surprise, Tony Wilson. Uh, he's one. He doesn't have a lot of horses, but I feel like he spots them pretty well. And Sammy Camacho is back aboard uh, now claiming off Juan Oliva. I think that's going to be interesting to kind of see how the meet plays out, how those numbers go from when you're taking horses away from these Gulfstream guys. Uh, i I could think that he'll improve this Philly, uh, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, she'll have the difficulty of dealing with an outside post. Looked to me like the one any port might be a little dangerous getting Lasix for the first time. Showed speed last time out of Tampa. Roy Lerman, a guy that I always give extra consideration to. He is sort of a long shot maven. Uh, Dallas, did you have any anything interesting in terms of fixed odds prices on the 1-11? and 11? I think uh, one and eleven. Mate, the whole the whole race is just uh, up up for grabs for everything. Four and a half to one, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's like so. We're basically. I was just counting them. There's one, two, three, four, five horses between five to one and seven to one. So that sort of gives you an indication of where we we sit. Uh, the favourite at the moment is Pegasus in flight at five dollars fifty or nine to two, and then there's three of them. It's five to one. Magic surprise number eleven any port number one included in that and um yeah it's just uh, just do your best it's <laughs> pretty much it was, excuse me i'll just have to hang up on that call but yeah do um yeah it's it really is a case of pickup sticks that race from a, from a betting point of view a pickup sticks race indeed brian yeah, which sticks are going to pick up <laughs> so right. i'm actually going to take try to take a stand in this race and try to get lucky i agree it is an impossible race i think this is a race that if you're playing the win early pick five the majority of tickets are going to be a spread race in this I'm going to try to go against the trend and try to use this race as maybe even a single and try to spread in some other races. And what I'm going to use is be, 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 pay attention all day to this, but especially in this race. The rails on the turf are down on Saturday at Monmouth Park for the first time all year. So I know sometimes at other tracks, I've seen it happen here, you know, you get that, that ground on the inside that hasn't been run on. Basically, we haven't run on that ground since last year. So it's going to be fresher than some of the outside ground. I'm going to go with any port to hopefully break from the rail right on top of that unused ground, get to the front, and maybe take them wire to wire. I know that's an angle I kind of use on on the real Haskell day. This is Haskell preview day. But on the real Haskell day, normally we were run with the rails down, and usually the first turf race of the day is historically run wire to wire because of that. It's on it's you know unused ground, and they go wire to wire. I'm going to take a shot, could be totally wrong, maybe go with some historical trends and see if any poor can take him wire to wire in this race. I might even single him, uh, single her, excuse me, and then maybe spread in some other races where people are going thinner. 
Yeah, I think it's an interesting angle, and I know uh, the contrarian in all of us that, that plays the races wants to single in races where everybody is going deep, so I love the approach. Lasix for the first time as well for Roy Lerman. The runner-up did come back and win next time out at Presque Isle Downs. If you're a buyer, speed figure devotee, improved by seven points in their turf and synthetic figures generally mesh pretty well. I thought any port was very interesting as well from a betting perspective. The pick five, the win early pick five, will be capped by race number five. We've got Jersey Breads. At six furlongs on the main track, you have a winner of two straight on the rail in Caliente Rum, a number of recent or stakes placed runners, including uh, Mia's Crusade. Sam, give us some insight here. Uh, so, you know, Caliente Rum, I think, continues to impress everybody as far as on the tote board, keeps winning at these big prices. And she's very lightly raced along with Mia's Crusade. Now, a lot of these horses were racing a mile, cutting back to six furlongs now. And there are a few, I think, that prefer the mile better, like the seven Princess Georgia. I, I think I like her better for a mile rather than the six furlongs. Uh, the Kent Sweezy horse, Jersey Jewel. Did she just not like the slop? I mean, that's kind of hard to tell with the uh, horses coming in out of that spurse fruit. Spurse Bruce Fur, I was. There you go. You got it. Yeah, um, but the number four Muzzle Tough. I, this is a morning line that I I don't agree with here. Uh, so my good friend is the assistant trainer for Kelly Breen. Muzzle Tough was coming off of a massive layoff, but uh, on the backside she was like jumping shadows and. Uh, I know they put a shadow roll on her, and I thought that they were going to put blinkers. That was the plan, uh, but I don't see blinkers on here for this, which worries me. So that's going to be a, a complete toss for me, and I think that a lot of people will be using this mare just because of the connections here. Yeah, obviously one that's going to get a great deal of support being a Kelly Breen trainee with Paco Lopez getting on board really boils down to what do you do with that last race? As you said, there was obviously something else going on. I mean, we know that this is a, a mare with some quality. Of course, it's going all the way back to 2020 in order to find that form, which seems like it's a, a bit risky in terms of, of being a wagering proposition. Where did we land here fixed odds wise, Dallas? Mia's Crusade the favorite? Yes, indeed it is. Two to one or three dollars on the, the fractional markets. Ahead of Princess Princess Georgia, three to one or four dollars. Uh, nine to two or five dollars fifty for the informed Caliente rum. And um, muzzle top, we've only made it a six to one chance, seven dollars. I don't have the morning line in front of me, but um, that's pretty much where we landed with it. So, you know, a pretty easy fourth or fourth or so pick in the race according to the betting. Shamefully, it took me until just now when you said it to realize that Muzzle Tough is a play on words of Muzzle Tough. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, <laughs> Congrats. And I, yeah. No flies on you, are there, Nick? Well done. I'll mate. tell you what, they're paying rent if they are, right? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> uh, Brian, how can we close out the early pick five? Uh, I actually went to the two outside horses. I thought there's a decent amount of speed in here. I, I wanted to use two horses I thought were going to be coming from off of it. Uh, I actually think Princess Georgia would be my top pick. I think her form is a little muddied up. Uh, pun intended with two sloppy uh, track races mixed in there. She's 0 for 7 on a on a wet track and 6 for 24 on a dirt track. So I think those sloppy track races, dirty upper form. Um, she's you know, ran at Laurel against Open Company over the winter back in against Jersey Breads here. I think she'll be closing late. And I actually think odds on Dusty Miller has a shot at a big price. You know, not the most consistent horse in the world, obviously, but he has uh, she has some races in there that could win this race. And if she gets back to one of those races, 
I think it can make her a contender at a huge price. She did make a middle move last time in her first race of the year. Again, this is a horse that, you know, you're not going to bet your, your mortgage on her. She, you know, she might run uh, six feet and 12 or she might win. She's kind of inconsistent, but one of her better races, I think, could fit the race flow here. You'll never have to talk me into a cutback. So Princess Georgia, one that I'd be perfectly willing to bet. Looks like there should be enough speed to set up her late bid as well. I think her two recent races certainly make her very competitive. Well, that's an extended look at the win early pick five. We're going to stick around, though, and go to the latter portion of the card and head to race number 11, the first of four stakes races, really the meat of this Haskell Preview Day program. These are races that are in divisions that have races that correspond to them on Haskell Day, which will take place in five five weeks on uh, july 23rd we're very excited about it already and uh just in case you guys are are thinking about it i might come to the haskell so i'm just letting you know now it's like a warning shot five weeks <laughs> out hold me to it though the eaton town is the first of the four stakes races it's at a mile and a 16th on the turf course and i will say here we've got a couple of horses in here that have excellent back form um, and, and I speak mainly of Princess Grace and Lamista. And then you've got a horse like Fluffy Socks who seems to fire every time. Vigilante's Way was an impressive winner of this race almost exactly a year ago. This is a fun bunch, Sam. It really is. It's a tough race because these fillies and mares belong in this spot. Vigilante's Way, I played against her last time uh, just because of uh, the layoff. Uh, she looked like a million bucks in the paddock, but I played against her. I think it would be silly for me to play against her this time. But Princess Grace, I really like this mare. She gets uh, Florent Giroux back on board. Uh, last time he was with her, he did win on her. Now that was at Kentucky Downs, and that's kind of an odd track. You know, some horses love it or they hate it, but uh, she's kind of a handier mare, and I think she she obviously loves this Monmouth Park turf course. She's got one start, one win on it and uh i mean she's coming off of a layoff which you kind of worry about but she's got so much black class like you you said earlier um it, she's going to be hard to beat here dallas princess grace favorite in the fixed odds market yeah most definitely uh tick under two to one two dollars ninety decimal so just a, a little bit under two to one uh favorite ahead of fluffy socks three to one or four dollars and it's essentially seven to two for Lamista. $4.60 with Vigilante's Way, uh, a, a generous 5 to 1, $6.50. Fluffy Socks likely to get some support, I would imagine, additionally, having been second last time out to stablemate Bleecker Street, who came back and won the new grade one New York last Friday. Brian, is that enough for you to be pushed in the direction of Fluffy Socks, or are you looking elsewhere? I'm going to look elsewhere. I actually love Vigilante's Way. Uh, she's my best bet on the card. You're going to get a much better price than you've been getting in her recent Mammoth races, six to five, even money three to five in her last three races here at Mammoth. Um, you know, I could see her going off as fourth choice, like Dallas said, in the fixed odds market. There's two Chad Browns who have grade ones in their PPs. Princess Grace has all graded stakes in her PPs. Vigilante's Way does not, but I think she fits perfectly in with all of those. Paco Lopez in her last race, as we mentioned earlier, Paco can ride my horse any race, any day, any time. Uh, the ride on Vigilante's way last time is not going to be in his uh, his his Hall of Fame uh, resume. It wasn't a terrible ride, but she was just she was last on the backside. She wants to be closer than that. Had some traffic trouble in the stretch. Uh, I really like her today to sit a little bit closer uh, and at a, a much better price than she's in. Uh, she's my better today. 
Yeah, she really does figure to get a good trip. You would imagine Porque No is probably going to go to the lead. Maybe Alm shows a little bit of speed too, but that should give her the opportunity to stalk pretty readily from that position. I thought she looked very dangerous as well. I don't think she quite classes up to the the two Chad Brown runners on the outside, more so Fluffy Socks than Lamista and Princess Grace, but it could be the trip that ends up being kind of the mitigating factor when you're comparing all of that kind of how you saw it as well, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and again, you know, the rails are down on the turf, so you would think breaking from, you know, those non-rails that Vigilante's way can just stay, um, you know, glued to the fence all the way around and be running on, you know, some virgin turf course where Fluffy Socks and Lamista break on the outside. So I don't know if that'll be enough to, you know, turn the tide in, in Vigilante's way, but it's when she, when she has been even money in her races here at Mama's, she's going to be, I'd, I'd say, at least three to one in this race, four to one. Uh, hopefully so uh she's my she's my biggest bet on the saturday card look at brian taking a stand here in the eaton town and giving us his best bet of the day we're yeah, still gonna have to he never wins yeah right i won't tell everybody that you said find a real handicapper to go on the show um but no we're we're counting on you <laughs> don't worry about it that's uh we're ready we're ready to get the winners on to race 12 the tvg.com pegasus my favorite pegasus personally that's run on the entire uh, racing calendar this is for three-year-olds that are hopefully headed towards the Haskell, the final local prep. We've got a field of nine going post where Chad Brown brings in Electability, who was recently graded stake placed in the Peter Pan. Sam, did you find Electability a uh, likely winner here? Most definitely. Uh, there's just, I don't think that there's anybody that can, I'd be shocked if somebody beats him here. Uh, Manny Franco and Chad Brown are winning at an incredible clip right now. He ran a nice race in the Peter Pan, just was no match for We the People. Now, obviously, We the People didn't run well back in the Belmont Stakes, but he's a one-turn horse, so I'm not going to knock him for that. But just was no match for We the People uh, and isn't facing those type of horses. Now, he was outnodded by Golden Glider, which he's not a very impressive horse uh, by from the Mark Cassie barn, but I think that he's going to be really really tough here homebrew i can understand why people are going to play this horse it's brad cox it's florent Giroux. but if florent Giroux really liked this horse he would have ridden him back in the oaklawn uh stake back on april 23rd he didn't he ran he rode the second place finisher kuchar which came back to win the race i just don't think that this guy's and i think he's just an average horse here I thought that was fair, all things considered. Dallas, how short are we on electability? Uh, just a tick under two to one, two dollars ninety decimal, and uh, homebrew right there at its heels at three dollars sixty. So, as far as it's uh, the markets are at the moment, there is a bit of competitiveness between the two of them that were just mentioned. Uh, and the next pick is four to one or five dollars decimal dash attack number seven. Can certainly say without question, both the owners of Homebrew and Electability like to have a punt themselves, but no one, neither of them will be anywhere near Jersey on uh, Saturday afternoon. That might be a good thing for the fixed odds market, but hey, you'll take it on, right? Any Feel free to send money. Look for the people in pink shirts. Send it in. Exactly. The more the merrier. The more you put on, the more you get back. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's what I, I like, like to hear that. Brian, what did you think of the Pegasus? Yeah, I, I have nothing at all bad to say against electability other than I think he's going to be a lot shorter than the 9 to 5. I think he might even be less than even money just because everyone's going to gravitate to him coming out of a grade 3. They see you know, the morning line favorite in the in the Belmont Stakes uh, in his TPs. And, of course, it's Chad Brown who, of course, I love Chad Brown. That's what I said five minutes ago was an obvious joke. 
Uh, I pick home, I pick home brew again. I have uh, electability is on every single ticket. Uh, it's Chase Brad Cox. He's undefeated on fast dirt. You know, he's undefeated going two turns. Clarangeru comes in to take the ride. I feel like he's an improving horse, and he ran an 84 last time. But you know, uh, Brad Cox is going to keep him improving. You know, if he runs a 91, 92 in this race, you know, I think that makes him pretty competitive. My only other real opinion, again, other than electability is on every single ticket. I'm against dash attack. I think this is a wet track horse. He won the, you know, all three of his races are, are over wet tracks. His three uh, fast races, um, you know, he's not really there. Now those three races over fast dirt were the toughest three races of his career. So you have to factor that in, obviously. But I'm going to be against him in this race. And the price horse that I'm going to throw in is the eight, Cook Creek. Um, kind of the opposite, or the same, yeah, excuse me, the opposite of Dash Attack. He's, his worst races are on wet tracks. His best races are on fast tracks. I'm going to give him a shot at a price as well, but electability on every single ticket. Also eligible to use Lasix for the first time, Cook Creek, as they can be treated with Lasix at Monmouth Park. Same can be said for Dash Attack, who was first time Lasix last time out when Victorious in the Long Branch and will once again have it this time around in the Pegasus. Two more to go on this 14 race card at Monmouth. The 13th race is the Monmouth Stakes to be run at a mile and an eighth. I'm old enough to remember when the Monmouth Stakes was created so that Big Brown would have an opportunity to race at Monmouth Park. It's uh, annually one of the better races of the meet at Monmouth, in my opinion. We're hearing in the racing media that public sector is likely to go in the poker on Saturday afternoon at Belmont, which is just a field of five. That would take him out of here, probably take the favorite out, all things considered. Uh, still a very competitive and deep field, Sam. Is it the other Chad Brown now, Sacred Life, that becomes the one to beat, or do you have somebody else? I have somebody else. Uh, if you watch that Fort Marcy stake, uh, this guy shortened up like two inches. He was striding out down the stretch, was on the wrong lead the whole time down the stretch. I'm completely against him in this race, and I really like Hidden Stash. Uh, this is going to be a price here. Vicky Oliver, not my favorite trainer, but this horse loves the turf. Uh, ignore the fact that it was uh, just uh, an uh, allowance optional claiming event. He did run at Churchill Downs on June 3rd. It was a really nice race that he did run. He made he took this terrible step going into the first turn. Um, obviously, they're not running on the turf anymore at Churchill Downs, and I kind of wonder if there's something bigger at hand that we don't know about there with the Churchill Downs turf course. He was super wide around the far turn coming for home. He made a big run down the stretch, this BBN racing. Um, they're a really fun group, and Brian, I'm sure you can attest to that. You saw them in the winner's circle with Kentucky Ghost, uh, that they had won the, the cliffhanger with him and uh they like this horse a lot coming into this race and i think i'll get a price here hopefully dallas can back me on that yes sam we'll always look after you you can have 20 to 1 if you like <laughs> is that all right with you it's it's great <laughs> you and everybody else on course at monmouth at the moment perfect <laughs> that's a deal and he's offering it up for real <laughs> so yeah, no, obviously the odds will adjust a little bit with public sector coming out down yeah, obviously yeah yeah right i mean so were you looking at public sector being favored in here? Yeah, well, we actually went up. Uh, we went up the equal favorites, public sector and sacred life, equal favorite three to one or four dollars. Uh, and the only other two under under double figures on the decimals, anyway. Yes, this time at eight to one, number one, and same price for TD Dance, number four, and ten dollars or nine to one for tax and uh, ever dangerous. Um, but yeah, so pretty wide market. But they were the two favorites, so. 
assuming public sector gets scratched, you're probably looking at around about the three to two mark. I'm just guessing here with Sacred Life or thereabouts if um, if public sector wants to come out. Sacred Life, of course, an impressive winner over this course in 2020. And that was the race. I don't remember which stake it was. I could I should look at his lifetime PPs, but he was one of the favorites, if not the favorite, in the Woodford Reserve Turf Classic on the rescheduled Kentucky Derby undercard back in 2020. Brian, did you land on one of these that we've talked about? Uh, I did. You know, it's unfortunate. You know, I've heard the same rumors that public sector uh, won't be running here. He, he would have been a single for me um, if he was in the race. So now we're, we're going to spread a little bit. Uh, Sacred Life, definitely on the ticket. And, and you're, you're right, Nick. Uh, he was he went right from the Ocean Port in 2020 to that September turf classic at Churchill on the Derby undercard and was favored. So that's how impressive he was. And Paco Lopez went with him to ride him that day. He rode him here in the Ocean Port and then was so impressed that he went to Churchill to ride him that day. So he's on every ticket, just on on that one race alone. Could love the Mammoth Park track. Uh, I think last time maybe it was more of the yielding turf that that didn't have him on his A game. I think he'll be better over the firm turf here. But I was interested in some of the others that we've we've talked about as well. TD Dance is going to be on some tickets. Ever Dangerous and the Hidden Stash as well is that twenty about twenty to one price. I think there are a couple speed horses in here that might set it up. Safe Conduct seems to do his best running on the lead. Epic bromance with Ferrer is going to be pretty close, and Pax has shown some speed in the past. So I do think they might be moving a little bit earlier, and I was looking for tactical or closers in here. Yeah, Tax is a horse I wanted to mention just quickly. Coming back off a lengthy layoff, we've not seen him since the uh, Pegasus World Cup in January of 2021. You know, Claiborne pedigrees are like Phipps pedigrees, right? You automatically assume there's some turf in there somewhere. It's really not until the second family. The dam here toll was a half to a runner named Cheery, who was uh, decent on the turf for Christophe Clement, but not anything special. A five-time winner banked about $160,000. So this is not a... This is not an, an overwhelming turf pedigree by any means. This is likely a horse who I would imagine is going to end up needing a race off the layoff. Whenever Dangerous won the Bryan Station at Keeneland on the Friday of Breeders' Cup weekend in November of 2020, he was 74 to 1. You're not going to let us have 74 to 1, right, Dallas? 74 to 1, mate. Well, uh, what was that? What, what horse is that, mate? I just sort Ever of. Ever Dangerous, the five? Ever Dangerous. No, God, no, that's 10 to 1, mate. Oh, sorry, $10 or uh, $10 or 9 to 1. Yeah, nine to one seems like it makes sense. He is also returning off a layoff for George Weaver. This is just a really interesting bunch of horses with different running styles, complementary running styles, I would say. I'm very much looking forward to this 13th race, the Mon Mistakes at a mile and an eighth. And that is going to lead us into the nightcap, which is the Salvatore Mile. And the Salvatore Mile, of course, is all about Hot Rod Charlie and whether he's going to be ready off the Dubai layoff. Sam, is there any, any point in taking on Hot Rod Charlie or are you just going to concede the race to him? He's one that you either single or you toss out completely, in my opinion. And um, I was in Dubai, uh, watched him train that whole week leading up to the race. Obviously, such a cool horse. Um, physically, not very impressive at all. He's a smaller guy. I wonder about the distance here. The, the last time he ran just that flat mile was when he broke his maiden, his first out. And obviously, it was a win. Uh, but very smart move by the connections here, kind of spotting him for this race. Obviously, the Breeders' Cup Classic is what's in store for this horse and kind of a, you know, hopefully a really nice confidence boost just to get him into this race here. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of a wild card here, and that's the one mind control. Uh, 
you know, gets Johnny Velasquez aboard. He did win on this horse uh, going two turns at parks that that one mile distance. I wonder if he's more of a one turn horse, uh, but I I think that uh, he's going to be impressive here. Getting back to that mile, of course, that he won out at Parks, as you said, where he was successful from a little bit off the pace. No shame in having been caught behind Jackie's Warrior and Speaker's Corner in his last two starts. Two of the better one-turn horses that we've seen so far in America in 2022. Dallas, how short on Hot Rod Charlie? Sub-even money? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Deep odds on. Um, probably uh, one to two is as good as you'll get. With um, We put it up that, and then with just a few percentage rolls, it's into about two to five or thereabouts. So... It's very short. Um, you know, it does look obvious, but Sam, I'll go back to um, obviously I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of horses parade in the US, but I thought I've seen Hot Rod Charlie parade a couple of times actually, and sometimes he can parade pretty ordinary. Um, and one of those times is where he probably performance re- uh, re- reflected that. So from um, I think as we've discussed from uh, from looking at it from a uh, the odds making point of view and managing the book type of view. You love it when an odds-on favourite parades poorly because it gives you an opportunity. So I'll be very interested to see how Hot Rod Charlie uh, does parade, and if he does does show a couple of bad signs in the yard, we'll um we'll definitely roll out um roll out a few of the knobs on what it was, and that's the old bookmaking term when you used to have the boards as well too. So his price will become better if he doesn't parade all that well. But yeah, he's um he's around about a two to five chance at the moment, a dollar forty. Uh, mind control next pick at nine to two, and the rest of them are pretty long odds. Yeah, this is a horse who's failed at one to five before, so it's not going to be all that shocking if we see Hot Rod Charlie lose. Um, You know, Brian, I have a pretty clear and and hopefully rational theory on Hot Rod Charlie. I think he's a significantly better horse when he's on the lead, which is no surprise. Most speed horses are. They're better when they're dictating terms. I feel like the, the, the efforts where he has underperformed have been when he's been more conservatively ridden. I don't think he wants to pass horses all that badly. Is there anybody standing in his way from getting a pretty easy lead here? Yeah, I think you and I have very similar opinions on him. He's obviously the class of the field, but I think he's significantly better going longer. And I think he's better, as you said, on the lead. So kind of in a weird way, the the horse that I'm looking at in this race, not in any way to win, but to impact the race is the sixth confessor. You know, he can't warm up Hot Rod Charlie, but can he take anything out of him? You know, he's the only horse to me that's going to be somewhat close to the pace. Can he impact Hot Rod Charlie in any way, you know, in terms of the early pace? Or is Hot Rod Charlie just going to get to an easy lead, brush him off, and and take him wire to wire? Um, If, you know, after 100 yards, if Hot Rod Charlie is on the lead under a hammerlock, you know, this race is over in my opinion, but I'm hoping that's not the case. I really want to give Mind Control a shot here. I love how Mind Control is a fighter. Um, And to your point, I'm not sure Hot Rod Charlie is in that scenario where he has to pass horses in the stretch. So I would love to see a, you know, a ding-dong battle to the wire, Hot Rod Charlie and Mind Control. I actually think Mind Control can tough him out to the wire. Going back to the same race, Sam said that Parks, the uh, dirt mile last year where, where Mind Control ran a 104 buyer. That race, he used Lasix. He hadn't run on Lasix basically all year until that race. He hasn't used Lasix in two races this year. He's back on Lasix today. And in that Parks race, he did beat the horse who won the Met Mile last year. Now, yes, Silver State had a tough trip that day. Uh, factor that in. But Mind Control, if we remember, passed, you know, uh, Silver State came to pass Mind Control. Mind Control fought back. 
uh, I said, I, I would love for this race to be a two-horse race at the top of the stretch and let the tougher horse win. I'm actually going to bet on mind control here. Very interesting. I like I like the inside quite a bit, and it did look like he was the second likeliest winner, mainly because, and unless somehow Roger Atfield convinces the ground crew that he can plant some turf all around the dirt track, what exactly is Cheryl Spike doing in here? I, I don't, you know, I, I it, it sort of makes you feel like he's always trained really well on dirt, right? But the one dirt start at, at Gulfstream early in 2021 was brutal. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, the only thing, I, I've never owned a horse in my life. I've never trained a horse in my life. But, you know, you've seen on Twitter, obviously, the options seem to be this race, the Salvatore Mile on dirt or the, the poker at, at Belmont on turf. You know, for a horse that's a grade one winner on turf already, maybe they said, and this is just Brian's speculation, you know, why don't we need another grade three on turf when we're already a grade one winner? Let's see if we can become a graded stakes winner on both surfaces. Um, you know, I'm not saying that is the reason. That's the only thing I could really come up with because for a horse who hasn't really run any decent races on dirt to go up against Hot Rod Charlie and mind control is a, a tough task. Sam, have you ever seen this horse in person? And if you haven't, what would you look for to see that uh, would maybe indicate he might handle the dirt well? Uh, a big hip, um, maybe. I don't necessarily want to say like heavy, uh, but just very well muscled out. Um, you know, these turf horses, you want to kind of see a lighter frame on um, a, a bigger shoulder, lighter hip. But, you know, I want to see this horse kind of built in Spatestown. You know, he's a very nice dirt sire. So, you know, you kind of wonder. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand this here. And I, I agree with your speculation, Brian. That kind of sounds like maybe what they would want to do in uh, Roger Atfield. Maybe he knows something we don't. We will certainly find out at roughly 6.30 Eastern time on Saturday night. We'll see if Roger Atfield, of course, Canadian Hall of Fame trainer, has something up his sleeve running his grade one winning turf horse on the dirt. Guys, this has been a blast. We really, really enjoyed having all of you on the In The Money Media Network. Thanks so much, uh, each of you individually. And we'll certainly have all of you back on to talk very soon.